welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Today, we feature audio from the Elite Business Advice Podcast with Chris Moore. This episode is sponsored by Bayer and Federated Insurance. Welcome to the Elite Business Advice Podcast, where our goal is to help you grow your business and also educate you on a variety of topics that affect self-employed small business owners. My name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors and the host of the Elite Business Advice Podcast here. Uh, In today's episode, we're going to do a solo episode and talk through a little bit about the top five mistakes that we see small business owners, specifically contractors, make in their day-to-day business. Now, one of the best benefits uh, that we love about, you know, working primarily with contractors and specifically here in the painting industry is that we get to do a lot of benchmarking. We get to look in and see what are clients doing all throughout the country, right? What are the good things they're doing that we can take and and use with the rest of our clients? Um, What are some of the mistakes people make, right? And things that we've seen them do to where they can go through and we can kind of show that to other business owners and and help them maybe avoid some of those steps, right? Uh, And so, you know, a lot of the the questions that come up during our our monthly coaching meetings um, or twice, twice a month coaching meetings is, you know, hey, how are other people handling this? Or, hey, you know, are other people struggling with this too, right? And so I thought it'd be fun to kind of do an episode where we just kind of recap what are the top five most common things that we see contractors and small business owners, what are the mistakes that we see people making? And so hopefully we can share some insight here um, and help you in your business and maybe avoid some of these top five. And so number one, uh, the number one, and, and I don't I don't think this is necessarily in order outside of this very first point here, um, as far as you know, the most common to the least common or most important to least important. Uh, but the number one mistake, and I will rank this one up there, and you guys have heard us talk about it time and time again, to the extent we got shirts made about this, they don't know their numbers, right? Most contractors, unfortunately, don't know the numbers side of their business. Um, And I I say it's not their fault, right? Because sometimes you just don't know what you don't know, right? Like you don't understand what are the numbers I should know. And so I'm going to give you a couple ideas here on that or you don't know how to track them. Um, so if you're listening to this episode, you no longer have those excuses because we're going to tell you what the few numbers are you should be tracking in your business and understanding on a weekly basis, right? And obviously things are going to change as business grows and scales. There's other numbers and metrics you're going to need to know that might be more important. But these are some of just the foundational fundamentals we focus on with our clients. Number one, job costing. Nick Slavic and I talked about this very much in depth on the episode we did probably 15, 20 weeks ago. And he said... The thing about job costing is it leads you down a path of 15 to 20 more questions. And I love that. That's why I'm such a big proponent of starting all of our clients with job costing and analyzing their financials. Because all the questions and the red flags and the things we see that don't line up with the industry averages, they create a conversation piece, right? For example, um, you know, we had a client we were looking through and I'm like, man, you know, your labor margins are a little bit high and you're working on the job site. Well, we found out that it was actually an estimating issue, right? Um, And then we had an entire conversation about how to create an estimating number system and things. So when you look at job costing, there's two key things you're looking at here, right? What are your margins? Um, We know here in the painting industry, you know, labor margin should be 45% max 
40% um, or less, obviously, is really the, the ideal target, right? 42%, I would say, maybe on the higher end here with some of the hiring stuff that everybody's been going through. Um, but, you know, 42% and less, 45% at the very, very most uh, for labor margins. Um, and the other thing, you know, material margins, right? 15% max for projects. Um, 10 to 12% is kind of the average, right? 8 to 12 is the ideal range or anything less than 10%. Uh, but 12%, uh, anything between 12 and 15%, we kind of start looking into why. Uh, and, you know, maybe you're using really high-end products. You know, maybe there's a job or two, you know, that, that you used a lot of paint. Uh, you know, it was something where you had to prime everything and do a lot of work to it. So there's going to be, you know, extenuating circumstances there. Um, the second thing you should be looking at uh, is estimated hours versus actual hours. Understanding how long did you estimate a project to take? And then how long did it actually take your guys to do it, right? Or if you're on the job site with them, you need to also track your hours, right? I always say if you're an owner and you're producing on the job site, even if you're not paying yourself, that's fine. You're not going to put it in your labor cost. But we need to know that, right? So we can understand, hey, you estimated 60 hours. You might have only paid out 50 hours. So you think, oh, I'm under budget, right? But if you worked 20 hours on the job site, you're really 10 hours over budget, if that makes sense, right? Um, and so when we talk through job costing, those are the couple things we look at, right? We want to make sure your gross margins are minimum, minimum 40%, right? If you have a 45% labor margin, a 15% material margin, that leaves you with 40% gross margin. Um, that's on like the low end, right? Uh, and then obviously looking at the hours comparison. Um, the second kind of next area you should look at in knowing your numbers is your marketing statistics, right? If you ask me, hey, Chris, how many jobs have you gotten from BNI or from referrals or repeat customers, I literally could go to our spreadsheet and tell you exactly how many customers we had throughout the history of elite painting from each marketing statistic or each marketing source that we, you know, looked for customers in. And I think it's important to understand how you're getting your jobs, right? What are the sales rates? for each of those marketing categories, right? So we knew that referrals and repeat business, we were gonna sell a higher percentage of those estimates than ones that came maybe through Facebook or from Sherwin-Williams where they were, you know, had to give out three different, you know, cards to, or, you know, whatever the, some of the other statistics were, right? Flyers and lawn signs and, hey, we saw your your car, we just, or your truck, you know, we wanna just kind of get an idea what it would cost. Um, we know those were, you know, obviously a little bit cooler leads that were less likely to sell compared to a referral or a repeat customer. Um, and so understanding that to really see where it's worth putting your resources into. Um, the other thing with marketing, the second piece, the second number you should know is any paid advertising, you should know what your customer acquisition cost is for that advertisement, right? Because as you grow and as you're going to sink more money into advertising and marketing, you need to understand where, where does that money make sense to go, right? So let's say, for example, you use, you know, maybe a home advisor, Angie's List, you know, something like that, right? You need to track all the money that you've spent on those services and what are the jobs, not the estimates. Um, and you can kind of know two different numbers here, right? What's the, the cost, the lead cost, right, to get an estimate done, but then also what's the cost to get a book job out of those? Um, those are going to be two different numbers and you you should know each of them. Uh, and so, you know, if I'm going to spend this much money, what, is, what am I going to expect to get, right? If I'm going to invest $500 here, am I going to expect to get five jobs out of it, 10 jobs, 20 jobs? You know, what's the revenue on that? Um, so really understanding those numbers to help you make decisions as you grow in your business. Uh, the third thing when it comes to knowing your numbers, and this is the last one, is what is the break-even number for your business? This is one of my favorite exercises to go through with clients because it either solidifies that they're on the right track or we identify that there's a gap here. 
Uh, and what the break-even number is, is we want to factor in the owner's salary and distributions. We want to factor in the, the monthly overhead, the expenses that aren't in that labor and material margins and job costing, right? And then we want to factor in those margins too, to see what is the minimum amount of revenue they need to do every month to cover all of their monthly expenses and overhead, to pay themselves their ideal salary, you know, pay the employees, pay the vendors, pay everybody out, um, and, you know, break even in their business, right? Now, obviously the goal is to make money here. Um, so we want to, you know, make money and break even and some, right? Um, so, you know, if say that number comes out to 62,000, we're going to say at minimum 65,000, 70,000 is more the ideal target um, to where you can leave and understand, okay, hey, this is the number one thing we want to focus on. If we can do $70,000 months, the finances will take care of themselves as long as our margins stay what they historically have been, right? Um, as long as our overhead stays what it has been. So those are the three things you should know when it comes to your numbers. <clears throat> the second mistake we see people make uh, comes around social media. Uh, and a lot of people have great intentions on social media uh, and a very poor execution. Uh, and so one of the things that's that's very important when it comes to this is posting consistently on social media. Uh, nobody wants to see, you know, it, it, I hope you guys understand, people are searching on social media for contractors for credibility purposes to do more research um, just as much as they are on Google right now, right? And they might find you on Google and then they're gonna go to your Facebook or your Instagram page and look at some of your work, look at you know additional reviews on there. When's the last time you've posted? If you haven't posted in three months, that doesn't really give off the nice professional branded, um, you know, got our got our crap together company, does it, right? Um, if you go three months with a, in between posts and, you know, it's it's obvious you're only posting when you need work, um, that's not a really good warm, fuzzy feeling you get as a consumer, right? If you go to somebody's Facebook page and they've got before and after pictures on there, maybe they've got some homeowner tips or something to add value to myself. Uh, and you see regularly posting on there for months and months, maybe even years, you're going to feel pretty good about that company, right? Um, and so I know it takes time, but even if you need to sit down and time block out an hour and a half once a month to just go through and schedule your post out for the whole month, like do it, right? Just be very intentional about it. Set an alarm in your phone every every day or every week to you know get on it and schedule a few posts out if nothing else. Um, and so consistent posting is such a big thing. Sharing it to your personal you know page and your personal stories. There's tons of uh, we've done an episode with Jeff Fitzer early on in season one. I think it was episode seven talking about personal social media strategies you can take to grow your business. It's not just the traditional business pages. Um, and that's kind of part of our philosophy and our organic marketing with clients. So listen back to that episode. Um, the other aspect of social media is Google My Business. Um, Google My Business, you can get on and post on there just like you do on Facebook and Instagram. Um, now, unfortunately, to my knowledge, directly through there, you can't schedule things out ahead of time. Uh, there might be third-party services and apps you could look into. Um, but Google My Business is something that people are utilizing more and more as they're posting something on Facebook, they get on and post it there too. It's supposed to help some SEO um, and bump you up in the Google pages too. So utilize both of those things consistently. Um, the third thing, the third mistake we see people make is they try to do everything themselves, right? 
there's something about being an entrepreneur and I'm guilty about this too. I don't want to make it sound like I've got this all figured out either. Right. But there's something about being an entrepreneur that we tend to want to wear all the hats. We tend to want to have control. It's our business. Right. And a lot of us have built businesses from the ground up. Right. You guys have kind of heard our story on, on how we started here with elite business advisors, literally from nothing um, and just started growing it and building it and figuring things out as we kind of went along on how to structure and put the systems in place and what do our clients need. And we got a ton more stuff coming. I can't wait to share with you guys in the next six months. Um, but, you know, we, we figured that out, right? So I think it's kind of second nature for us as entrepreneurs when you build something by yourself, you went through a lot of trial and error, you went through a lot of ups and downs that you you tend to like want to hover over everything and have control, right? And that's the worst thing you could do if you're trying to grow a business. Um, again, I, I'll be the first person to admit it, right? Like it took me a little bit to hire an advisor to start delegating clients to work with because I wanted to make sure that their clients were getting the best value. So I had to figure out how can I empower this person? Um, and so, you know, there's multiple different things you can do, right? Hire an assistant, hire somebody to help you out on the admin work. That's always an easy thing to dish off to people, right? What are the tasks? You know, you always need to figure out what you're really good at and what you enjoy doing and focus your time and energy on those things and hire out for the rest of it, right? If you love, you know, doing color consultations and design things, figure out how to structure your business around that. Who else do you need to hire so that you can focus and add the most value there? Because there's a good chance whoever you're going to hire is probably going to do a better job than you do, right? We had a client recently hire a, a virtual business manager and he was like, man, not only did I hate doing the admin stuff, but man, I wasn't good at it because I didn't like it. Like I dreaded it. And now I've hired her and she comes in and just crushes it. So not only is our company running probably 300% better, but she's happy. I'm happy. Our customers are happier. Like, why did I not do this sooner? Right? So again, kind of get over, and I call it the entrepreneur ego, right? We have a little bit of an ego about our businesses, whether we should or not. Um, maybe you're somebody that just loves what you do, right? You love a lot of the aspects of business. Um, again, you can grow it to a certain extent before you're forced to kind of outsource and delegate things. Um, but if nothing else, what are things you can hire out at home or in your personal life that can allow you to have that time back in your business or focusing on things? Um, I don't know about you guys. Um, I don't like cleaning the house, right? My wife will be the first person to admit, clearly I don't like cleaning the house because I don't do it very often. And when I do, I don't do a good job at it because I'm like Joel, I don't like it. Um, and like, as we've thought about this, right, you know, we're like, well, why are we spending our time doing this when we could do other things we like, right? And I, I think about it from that business perspective of like, how many hours a week do I spend attempting to clean our house only to have my wife redo it? And, you know, lots of tension probably for there. Um, and she's a good sport about it, thankfully. But, um, you know, like, what, why would I not maybe just hire that out? And this is a conversation we're having right now. Like, why don't we maybe hire that out? And I could just take that extra hour a month and invest back into my business. Or if I, you know, we picked up one extra client at a, you know, once a month meeting fee that might pay for the monthly cleaning or, you know, whatever that is. Um, and, and I love what I do in my business and I hate cleaning. Why am I doing that at home? Right. Um, and so I think there's things you can think about in, you know, in your personal life, are there things that you can, you know, outsource or hire somebody to do to help with on a personal level too, so that you can reinvest that time back into your business. Um, another thing I think is very important to streamline and automate tasks. There's a lot of technology out there. There's a lot of services. There's kind of a rule. If you have to do something three times or more, find a way to automate it or systematize it, right? Even if it's creating a template, 
to where you don't have to recreate something every single week or every single time, right? If, if you're not using estimate templates and whatever software proposal you have put together, um, look into that, right? Because there's no point in writing the same thing over and over and over and over again at every estimate you go to or typing it into the software. Um, so figure out how to utilize things to where you can kind of streamline it and speed up your life. You know, there's a lot of uh, good third-party things out there like Zapier or Zapier. I never say that right. Um, you know, that can kind of automatically connect different softwares and help them talk to each other. So look into that, do some research into things that can save you time and what you're doing in the day-to-day -day of your business. The fourth mistake we see business owners make is they don't have an onboarding, apprenticeship, and structured review process for the new employees. And I'm going to talk specifically to my contractors here, although I think a lot of businesses need to improve on this anyways, but specifically contractors, right? You spend a ton of time recruiting. We always say, oh man, we can't find any good help, right? There's no good help out there. Um, and in fact, the next person that I hear say that I might actually punch them because we've Many people have proven there's a lot of good people out there. We just have to go market and figure out how to market to them. Um, it's not that they don't exist. Most people just aren't good at marketing towards those people. Um, so keep that in mind. And I probably stepped on some toes and I don't apologize for that. But with that being said, I think the biggest thing is you get employees, but then you don't, they don't take your business seriously right? Um, if you don't have certain things in place to show that you're taking your business seriously and you're a professional company, how do you expect your employees to take it seriously, right? And so a few key kind of things we have is, you know, have a very structured interview process, right? I'm not talking the recruiting side, but the interview, right? When somebody applies, make sure there's a very structured process they go through. Make sure that everything that you send them or share with them or expectations is nice and branded from your company, right? Make sure when you sit down in an interview, you've got maybe a nice polo on or, you know, a dress shirt or something to set the tone that you're a business owner, right? You're not just a painter, you're a business owner. Um, and then I think it goes throughout the rest of the process, right? So you, you finally hire them, well, then what is it? What is the first day on the job site look like? Right. Do you throw them on there with somebody that's been there for three months and expect the blind to lead the blind? Um, that may not be a good idea. Um, and so I think it's very important to make sure that you have a really good onboarding process. Right. What does that first week or two of work look like? You know, I know some people keep employees in house for almost an entire week to do training. Um, and I don't mean like computer training, but I mean, you know, using the trade best practice videos here at PCA, um, tying that in with some on the job trainings, maybe having a little mock training room. Um, taking them on a project, something that you can train them on easily. You know, what does that look like, right? If you're just throwing them out on the job site and expecting your painters to, to teach them, your painters are busy trying to paint sometimes. Um, so make sure you, you know, get them off to the right start. Um, make sure you have an apprenticeship program to where you they can kind of get a vision cast that their career could turn into be more than just being a painter, right? Like, hey, this is where you're starting out at. Like, you may have no experience. You're starting out as an apprentice. But here's the levels and the requirements of, you know, when you check all these boxes here under the apprentice category, then you'll move up to a senior apprentice or whatever you want to title that, right? And then you check these boxes and then you move up to a painter, you know, and then you work your way up to a crew leader. And then, you know, there's opportunities to advance beyond a crew leader into a, a branch manager, depending on how your company's structured or an estimator or a production manager, right? Um, if you share those visions with them and you give them a very clearly defined thing of when you can do this, then you get a pay raise and up to the next level, right? And then you accomplish these tasks. It kind of gives them that stair-step vision of what it looks like to grow within your company. They may not love starting out at $16, $17 an hour as an apprentice, but when they want to, when they're like, hey man, I really want to get to $25 an hour, boom, here's where you got to be at. You got to be a crew leader and we can get you there in six months, six to 10 months, depending on your skill set and your leadership, right? When you can tell them that and they go to work chipping away at those things, you're going to have a, a good 
quality employee there. Um, and so make sure you've got that put together. And then on the, the back side of that, make sure you have structured reviews in place. This was something that I, I had to do for my business because I wasn't good at confrontation sometimes, right? So you may have a new employee. I'm sure this has never happened to anybody listening to this. You have a new employee, right? They might show up like 10 minutes late. Um, they might like be on their phone a little bit. Um, you know, and you need to have that conversation of like, hey, man, here's some expectations, right? Um, when do you do that? It's very easy to be like, hey, I'm going to have that conversation at end of day Friday. Well, end of day Friday, you might be at a different project than this person is and not able to have that conversation. So well, I'll just put it off till Monday morning. Monday morning rolls around and you're running around trying to get the next job started, right? Maybe you don't feel like having that conversation. All of a sudden, it's been three weeks later and this employee's in a really bad habit. Um, and so what I recommend doing is having a very set, structured seven-day, 30-day, 60-day, 90-day review process, and then quarterly after that with all of your employees. Um, so new employees get the, the 7, 30, 60 ones. All the existing employees get the every 90-day reviews. And it's something you just set in your schedule, right? Take them to lunch that first Friday of the first week they work and have a conversation. We have a template put together. I'm happy to share it with you guys of questions and things to talk to them about, right? Um, kind of a, a performance evaluations. Um, how are they doing with things? And when you have this set in your calendar and the expectation is set with them, um, it's much easier to make sure that this comes off well. And I think... You know, if you can focus on that, um, and I always say it's a two-way street, right? So a lot of the questions we have in there are, hey, what are things we can do better as a company to help you as an employee? What are th what are weaknesses that you felt like we kind of maybe threw you in the water on that we can improve for our future employees? When you start to open up that two-way communication with them, it's going to allow them to come talk to you. Uh, you know, 60 days down the road, whenever they see something that they feel like maybe needs improved on, right? Um, and as an owner, we have to understand we can't always accommodate everything, but employees have a lot of good ideas and, and see blind spots that we don't see as entrepreneurs. And so getting that feedback, I think, is a very important thing. The fifth and last thing that we're going to hit on here today is business owners don't think big enough about their business. Um, this is one thing that we see a lot. A lot of people treat their business like a tiny little small business, right? Um, and I don't know what the SBA defines small business as like, right? What's the number I, I've heard, you know, under 250 employees. Um, but I, I think too many people take that term literally and, and they think about their little small business with two employees or three employees. And I want to preface this. If, if that's your goal, then I think that's what you should do, right? You guys know our philosophy, if you've been listening to the show by now, is we want you to, to have your business serve your life and give you the lifestyle that you want and figure out how to structure your business around it to provide the time and the, the financial resources to make that happen. That's our number one philosophy when it comes to working with our clients is what do you want out of life and how can your business serve that for you and how can we build your business in a way that suits that? So if that's your goal, I don't want you, I don't want you to change it, right? But what I think happens is, a lot of people have big goals and ambitions, right? They want to become a million dollar company for the, the, the freedom that that can provide or beyond, right? Um, but they don't think bigger than just the, the couple of employees they have, right? They never take strides and make steps to move beyond a couple of employees or, or maybe you're at a million dollars and you want to go to $3 million, but you're afraid to kind of think bigger of what that looks like, right? You're in a comfortable spot right now. Um, and we see a lot of business owners, they just don't think on a large enough scale. And what I mean by that is, 
you know, again, it comes to outsourcing, it comes to delegating, it comes to, hey, if we can charge this and pay this person this, well, then that's extra profit for the company. Well, if we do that enough, well, then we're going to grow by leaps and bounds, right? Um, what are the things that you can add on to your business? What are the services you can add on? Um, who are the people you can bring in and, and let them, you know, even as contract employees, right? You know, we have some painting companies are hiring designers on a contract employee basis and say, hey, we'll charge the customer this and, and we'll pay you this. It's a win win the designer's happy the painting company's happy the customer's happy it's an easy way to grow your top line and your bottom line right um, would you take a hundred dollars off a, a design color design just for doing really nothing but scheduling it right um, and i'm not saying that's the exact numbers there. i'm just kind of using that as a blanket example but you know what are the ways that you can grow your business through strategic partnerships with people um, and things that you can do to, to elevate yourself um, and so I, I think it's important to think through the systems, think through who you can hire, who you can partner up with, um, how you can grow your business beyond yourself or where you're currently at um, to where you're really providing the lifestyle you've got. Um, I think, as I said, we see too many people, you know, treat their business on too small of a scale. Um, and there's a lot of ways you can replicate things on a larger level. So um, I hope that helps. Um, we're going to continue kind of keeping a list of these things going and, and maybe add different things, have have episodes on specific topics and mistakes that we see. Um, but, you know, really plug into a lot of the content the PCA has and, and take these things seriously, right? I think it's important to understand um, if you're listening to this and, and all five of these mistakes we just went through are things that are, you know, glaring holes in your business. Um, don't try to attack them all at one time, right? I'm a big proponent of, you know, incremental change because I think if you try to change everything at one time, uh, I'm sure, I don't know about you guys, I know I've tried doing the whole like diet and, you know, hardcore workout and this and, and this. And when you try to change too many things, it doesn't work. So Sometimes you just got to start with one thing. Hey, I'm just going to work on the diet part right now. Hey, and now, you know, four weeks later, we're going to work on the, the working out piece of it. And when you slowly walk through that, you know, figure out what's most important to start out and then have a plan moving forward for the rest of it. So if you've got a lot of things that you want to work on in your business, just have a plan, right? Work on one thing a month, get good at that and then take on the next thing. And eventually you'll have the business where you want it to be. So I appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next week's episode. We've got a great guest coming on. Her name's Amy Eckhart. We're going to talk through health insurance for small business owners and your employees. Uh, so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.